What if you could complete your MBA in just one year? Thanks to the College of Charleston School of Business, now you can. Their accelerated MBA program condenses a traditional two-year program into one rigorous year, ensuring you not only save a year of tuition and fees, but also re-enter the workforce quickly and graduate with critical business knowledge. U.S. News & World Report recognized the College of Charleston MBA as number one in the country for its job placement rate within three months of graduation. Learn more at mba.cfc.edu. Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning, and welcome to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Each Saturday morning at 9, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the Lowcountry talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood. And great Saturday morning, Low Country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3, or you may be listening to us via our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cox, here with the lovely and talented Leslie Haywood for another edition of Beyond the Business, presented by the College of Charleston School of Business. Good morning, Leslie. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, Eric, and good morning, Low Country. Thank you for sharing your Saturday morning with us. And make sure and continue the fun beyond Saturday mornings. And find us on our Facebook page at Beyond the Business or talk to us on Twitter at BTBCHS. Happy Saturday, Eric. How you doing? You know what? We're rocking and rolling, Leslie. I can't believe that you know it, you wake up in the morning. It's a little bit of cooler weather sometimes in the morning. It's crazy. Summer's kind of behind us, and it's hard for me to flip the switch. But football, football is here, and that that makes it all worth it. I know. I like for the first time in my life, I actually care about the foosball. Like yes, you never do. cared yes, before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and my first game that I actually cared about last weekend broke my heart. Well, Go I'm Tiger. curious because Clemson has been on such a win streak and then you become a fan and they lose. I don't know what that says, but uh, <laughs> our Clemson we... fans this morning may not be happy with you, Leslie. Okay, we'll break out the sage and the holy water and we'll do a couple Hail Marys and get some exorcism going and we'll be Whatever fine. Works, right? The bad right. juju. <laughs> Let's right. go. <laughs> I think they're going to be okay today. So. Okay, I think they better be. be. Okay today, I'm, so. I'm, heading, I'm heading up there after we're done. I'll be there. Awesome. Well, we uh, you know continue week in and week out to have these incredible stories of entrepreneurship and leadership from around the world, and certainly with uh, COVID about, we had to you know get out of the studio, go remote, but at the same time, that's enabled us the opportunity to do interviews from all around the world. Uh, last year, we got to go north of the border to good old Toronto, Canada. And we had Mr. John Warlow on, who's the founder and CEO of the Value Builder System. Uh, John, again, like most of our guests, you know, brings the energy and, and a great story. Um, what would you say is a great takeaway you had last week, Leslie? That was such an incredible show. It's hard for me to say one thing. I mean, he gave me and all of our listeners, I think, such an eye-opening, game-changing um, 
show about the information on the value of a company, exit strategies, how to sell the company, and what is valuable about your company. So if you're an entrepreneur, you must, and I mean must, go back and listen to John's show at www.coastalwm.com. I guarantee what you thought was valuable about your business is not. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, I mean, Eric, what do you have? That was uh, I, I, mean, I agree. If, if you're an entrepreneur and you've ever thought about potentially selling your business one day, this is a must-listen-to show. And I'll give you a, a snippet that I took away when he was discussing um, – when you get into a conversation with someone who potentially is a purchaser, do not answer the question how much you want for your business because the minute you say that, you have pigeonholed yourself, and he gave some really unique examples of that. And so I think there were some very sound nuggets of wisdom for all of us that own businesses to think about before we open our mouth, right, mm-hmm. Leslie? So yeah, uh, again, it, if, if you happen to miss that – Go to Spotify or iTunes, type in Beyond the Business. You can certainly go to the website at coastalwm.com and just click on the radio icon um, and check out not just John's show, by the way, but all of our shows over the last eight years, Leslie Haywood. It's crazy. I've been saying that for a while. It's probably nine now. I don't even know. So it's been so long. We're going on a decade. Oh. Well, as the we're going on, talent, as we right? do, week in, that's right, week in and week out, we're turning the page to another great story. We're excited to have uh, Andrew Block, in st- I say in studio, online with us today. Uh, Andrew is the founder of a company called RevFuel, which is a sales development agency. Good morning, Andrew. Welcome to Beyond the Business. Good morning, guys. Appreciate you guys having me on. Now, you're not in Toronto, Canada. No, I'm not. <laughs> you're not in Antwerp, Belgium. You're not even in Houston, Texas, are you? I think you're right here in Charleston, South Carolina. I am. Yep. I'm just right, uh, so a few. We're bringing uh, it back home for this one, yes. Leslie. Hometown. Yep. Hometown entrepreneur story. I love it. So, Andrew, if you don't mind, for uh, those of us online listening today, they that may not know who RevFuel is, give us a little 20-second commercial on your organization. Sure. So RevFuel, like you said, we're a sales development agency. We work with tech software startup companies, um, primarily with CEOs and founders that they don't really have anyone on their sales team. It's them. They've built a product. They have a couple people and they really don't know what they're doing when it comes to sales and and growing revenue. And what we do is we come in and we build sales strategies, um, primarily outbound sales strategies, you know, to scale and grow their company so they can go from, you know, zero revenue or maybe a couple, you know, thousand dollars of MRR a month to, you know, tens and thousands of dollars and hopefully crack the, the million one day. So that's it's, awesome. It, it's such an interesting thought. And when I was reading your profile and just thinking about, you know, there's founders out there who are brilliant, right? And they come up with this incredible idea or this this tech um, opportunity, but they don't know how to get it out there and connect it with the consumer. And uh, to be able to join forces with an outsourced organization like yours um, is really instrumental for, for a company. So I can't wait till next week and we hear a lot more about that. But of course, before we do. Yes, before we do, let's take it back and see what makes it Andrew Block, Andrew <laughs> Block. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing and where you were born, the family life, those those really early years. Yeah, so I live in Charleston now, but not my hometown. I grew up up north in uh, in New Jersey, um, right central Jersey, right between uh, basically an hour between New York and an hour between Philly, right on the beach. Uh, I was born in a town called Brick, and I grew up in a town called Wall. Um, so I don't know why it was uh, <laughs> really <two> town Brick names. Wall. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. 
Um, but yeah, I grew up my whole life there. Very, you know, whatever normal is, it was very normal suburban childhood. Both my, my mom was a teacher. Uh, my dad worked in finance. I had one old, have one older sister. Um, and it, yeah, it was a very, very normal, normal childhood. Um, growing up by the beach, you know, played sports, you know, had friends, but wasn't, you know, it was, I guess what you could say, typical. So. So when you think about yourself as a kid, how were your friends today, if you were reflecting back, how would they have described you as a kid? Um, that's a good question. I'm still, I just spoke to my best friend last night, actually, who I grew up with and met him when I was six months old in, in daycare. Um, so still close to them. So yeah, I would say they would probably describe me as someone that's uh, around them. I'm, I'm very outgoing and, and loud. But when we get into a group of people that I don't know, I'm, I'm more kind of quiet. Um, and uh, which is you know, kind of odd for a sales guy. Well, it's, we'll talk, I guess, about how I got into sales later sure. on. Um, but yeah, I think they would describe me as someone that always always has their back. Um, you know, I think I'm a, a pretty. I think they would say I'm a pretty loyal person. Um, so I, ho- hopefully, they have good things to say about me still. How, were you studious? Were you one of those overachiever, straight A students, or just? Uh, um, it was more troublemaker. Just, no, I, I definitely wasn't a troublemaker because in school I was definitely more on the quiet side. I wanted to get good grades, but like you know, I I don't consider myself the smartest person in the world. I think my sister is very book smart, um, but it was just hey, I want to get A's and B's so my parents are happy. Um, but I didn't truly care so much about what I was actually learning. It was, hey, let's check a box so I can now to go to college and move on. So, you know, it is kind of interesting. You think about this too, when we're young like that, a lot of kids try to do well in school, not to do well in school, but to please a parent or to please a teacher or you know, for those reasons, not I'm trying to get A's to further my career, which is kind of interesting. Um, so hey, whatever it, works, I will, works. I will get my kids to get A's and B's, whether it's out of guilt or their own, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll do Amen, what I got to do. Amen. So, <laughs> so when you were a kid thinking about your future, did you have a, any sense of a, a direction and a dream of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Yeah, there were a couple things. Um, baseball player was the first one. Oh, Obviously that didn't actually, happen. Yeah. Um, but I'd say my first real thing, you know, career dream, what did I want to be? Um, I'd probably say it was around maybe end of middle school, high school. I wanted to be an engineer, an architect. So um, I'd definitely say I'm more of a creative person than like, you know, math and science. Uh, and I loved, you know, I was, I, was, I was always very good at art and I can always you know remember like drawing pictures of houses and stuff like that. So I, I wanted to be an architect. I wanted to be an engineer. Um, and then I took, you know, my high school had a couple of those classes and then I got to calculus and then I realized that I can't do this. Um, so yeah, my first real dream was, was to be engineer, architect, something along those lines, something where I can use, I thought it was more being creative, um, which it is, but, uh, you you need math as well. (laughs) And that's where, that's where my dream stopped. What at this point in your in your life during high school, was there any entrepreneurial role models or did you ever think I'm going to go do my own thing, have my own company? Or was it more were you thinking I go to work for somebody, I go get a job and be in corporate? Where did, um, where did that where did where were you on that? I mean, at that age, I don't really I can't really remember what I was thinking um, exactly. So no one really in my family was entrepreneurial. Um, my uncle has a plumbing business, but I 
at that age, I didn't look at that as like being an entrepreneur or anything. You know, my dad worked at a massive, um, you know, medical health company in finance. My mom was a teacher. So very like, you know, go to college, get a job. Mm -hmm. Traditional. Um, I think my dad always wanted to have that entrepreneurship and he kind of lives through that with me now. Um, But um, I would say the first thing I really wanted to do, and I don't know what age it was, was I grew up at the beach. I was was really into surfing. Like I said, I like drawing and, and houses and stuff like that. But I always want to like, I want to own a surf shop. Um, and I wanted to have like a clothing company and, and surf. so I draw little pictures of, of, of shirts and stuff when again, maybe I was in middle school, but that was probably my first, like, Ooh, I want, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I never actually took, you know, I, all the stories of, Oh, a lemonade stand. I never did that. Um, I never like actually took the step to be the entrepreneur. Um, I just kind of had these these fantasies and dreams about it. So I love it though. And by the way, they, the, the lemonade stand, that's like a thing of the past, right? <laughs> I, I found myself a week ago traveling my neighborhood with my youngest. They're selling lobsters. Uh, I'm like, wow, we've come a long way from lemonade to lobsters. Sign Uh, me up. Oh, my gosh. Your neighborhood is like, I want lobster. You're selling lobsters. It's crazy. It's crazy. So anyway. You live uh, in the fancy neighborhood. I don't know. I I just I know that it's all changed now. So uh, so obviously you end up going from uh, the northeast coming down to Charleston to come to the college of Charleston. What drove that decision to come to CFC? Yeah, so we, my family, pretty much every summer, we'd, we'd go down to Kiwa for vacation. We'd stay in a condo there or a, whatever townhouse it was. Um, and I wanted to get out of New Jersey. I grew up my whole life there. I, not even feeling stuck, but I just wanted something new. Um, and I knew I wanted to go down south. So I, it, funny, my, my, where I wanted to go to school was uh, UNC Wilmington. And I, I got like waitlisted there. I applied to College of Charleston without ever visiting. I got accepted and then I didn't get into where I wanted to go. And me and my dad, we just happened to go down in January. He's like, hey, let's just check it out just in case and fell in love with it. Because I never, when we were younger and especially, you know, 15, 20 years ago when, when we went as a kid, we didn't go to, you know, you stayed at the market. You didn't go like, you know, past East Bay. You didn't kind of go up where it is now. Um, so we never knew what the college actually looked like and just fell in love with it. They had business and entrepreneurship. And I said, I'm, I'm going here. So. Now, is that what you, by, so by the time you graduated, th- that's what you went to college for at College of Charleston? Yeah. So in my senior year of high school, I took a, an entrepreneurship class. I think, I think we were just creating like a business plan. I don't even remember what I picked. Um, but once I realized that I can't do engineering and, and, and architecture, I, I don't know why, again, I just felt. Like, I want to have my own business. I don't know if it was that freedom. Maybe it was seeing my dad having to, you know, work for a massive company and, you know, them telling him what to do and all these things. I don't, I don't know what actually drove me towards it. Um, I think now realizing because I was creative and stuff, I wanted that, you know, ability to be able to create my own thing. Um, you know, that kind of drove me towards it. And I senior year, I was like, I want to study business and I want to do entrepreneurship. I don't know what I, I have no idea what business I want to run. I just want to work in that space. I don't want to go work for a big, massive company. And you know what's great about our, our culture and environment today is th- that's fostered, right? That's fostered in high school. It's fostered in college. I mean, I know, Leslie, when you and I were coming through, if you said, I want to be an entrepreneur, it was great. Go work for a company for 10 years first, get your you know training under your belt, then go be an entrepreneur. And it's great to see how that just to sort of changed and flipped that you know, if you're ready, it doesn't matter what age and what experience you have, go be an entrepreneur. 
which is kind of cool to see that in our, in our society today. So, um, so you tell us a little bit about your experience at the College of Charleston. Um, obviously, you know, coming from the north, uh, I don't know if you had friends already here at CFC or if this was just you dropped into campus, didn't know anybody, and you were on your way. First week was rough. First two weeks were, were I, I wanted, I called my mom every day. I was like, I, I hate it. I need to leave. Um, just because I was quiet. I was not outgoing. It was difficult for me to like, I have, so my roommates freshman year, they're still my really good friends, but it just took me a while to get adjusted. Maybe it was because again, first time on my own. Um, yeah, I, I hated it the first couple of weeks because I, I felt I felt so alone. You're not um, making Leslie feel no, any better right now. Actually, you <laughs> and, daughter starting so you are because like she just broke out in tears in astronomy class yesterday because she feels so lonely. And I keep trying to tell her like and, and we're going on three weeks and yeah. I'm just like, it's not always going to be like this. She's having the same troubles. So, no, you're actually making me feel better. So it turned around at some point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you know, my advice there, like force her to do things like, you know, go do those uncomfortable things, um, right. you know, go out and go to a meeting and whatever it may be and, and meet people. And that's what started helping me out. And, you know, me and my roommates, we finally clicked and, you know, now we're still best friends. But yeah, the first couple of weeks were, were really difficult. Um, and then, you know, from there on out, you know, throughout college, it was pretty typical, normal, you know, had fun. Um, obviously in a, in a city like Charleston, but you know, I, I knew I still needed to get good grades. So still had my A's and B's and everything like that. Um, but it was still kind of, aside from the entrepreneurship classes, it was still just to, you know, check a box a little, a right. little more wanting to learn a little more, but, um, you know, the, the, the prereqs and the classes like that, I, I was like, I don't, I don't care about these. I'm not going to learn these. I really only wanted, I was only concerned about the business classes and, and more specifically the entrepreneurship, but I still at least try just to, you know, at least get good grades and stuff. But I, I didn't care about actually retaining knowledge or anything like that for the classes that were no, of no interest to me. Now, did your mind set change as you went on in your degree or how did you, how did you come to actually love entrepreneurship well you always loved entrepreneurship yeah I, I always loved the idea of it so like it was more just in freshman and sophomore year when I couldn't take those it was just like all right just I need to take these just to take them once I get to the entrepreneurship like that's where things will get better and I think I took the first my first entrepreneurship class my second semester sophomore year so it was like okay this is it's getting better so it was kind of just seeing you know the light at the end of the tunnel these classes that I can take that I'm really excited about hey you just you have to take these other classes to get there so and I believe along the way you did an internship that turned into a little more than that. So talk about that if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, so my first first internship, I um, I interned at the Harbor Entrepreneur Center, which used to be downtown. It was run by John Osborne, um, and they were, you know, part of it was a, an actual startup accelerator, um, working with tech companies. And there's a couple that have come out of there that have been pretty successful in, in the Charleston area. Um, and then the other part of it was just kind of a co-working space. So. I thought I'd be able to do a little more. I met some people that kind of helped break me out of my shell. Um, you know, most of it was kind of just some admin things, but I did that for a little bit, but it was just kind of good to get, you know, my, my name on, you know, my name out there and, and have some experience. Um, and then uh, from there I did a couple, uh, what was, I did an internship for um, Nectar Sunglasses, which is another uh, Charleston based company. Um, that was more kind of just, wasn't even an internship. It was more just working in their warehouse, but considered an internship. 
Um, and then finally I landed an internship um, is how I got into sales. Uh, it was my, so my senior year, I, like I said, I wanted to get into, you know, I want to be in tech. I want to be in startups. Didn't know how to code. Didn't want to do anything with marketing. What am I going to do? And I never wanted to be in sales because I thought sales were used, you know, no shame to use car salesmen, but that was my opinion of it. You know, uh, you know, Hey, Hollywood makes it to be some, some sleazy person, slick back hair, whatever. Hated it. Plus I was super quiet and more of an introvert. And I, you know, there was an internship for a sales analyst, not knowing that it was just a sales rep. And the really funny story was I had like applied online and there was like a glitch in the system online. So I like applied a couple times and the guy finally got back to me, who's, you know, my former boss. And he's like, Hey, I really appreciate you like trying to be persistent. Um, but it was just because there is an you error in clicking. the system. Yeah. He's like, hey, I really appreciate that. And yeah, I didn't, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but that was my first real intro to sales. Um, and it, you know, it was called a sales analyst, but I was a sales rep and that's where I landed in sales and, you know, kind of changed everything, uh, you know, where I am today. So it was interesting how I got into it. What were some of the things that you learned early on about sales that you didn't think that, that, that you didn't know? Yeah. I mean, my, my opinion of sales was again, that annoying person. And I know people have to do it, but cold calling and all these different things. Um, you know, my boss's approach at the time, Josh Jordan, he, who lives in Charleston, he, you know, it's not that it's sales is not about selling. It's about helping. It's about listening. Um, and because I'm an introvert, I listen really well, or at least I think I do. Um, and that's all about sales. I mean, yes, you need to be able to talk to people and persuade people, but you need to listen and understand people's pain points, problems, challenges they face. And I realized that, wow, I'm, I'm good at this because I, you know, I'm quiet and I do listen and I pay attention and I can connect with people pretty well. So that was kind of the biggest eye opener. Like, okay, this sales thing is not what I thought it was, or at least in the, in the tech space software, it's not done that way. Um, so that was a real, real eye opener and it made me, okay, I can, and I can do these things. And then in that internship, um, so the company I had worked for was called four letter and they're, they were a sales development agency. They did what I do now. Um, we worked with tech startup companies and we built sales processes. They didn't really know what they were doing. And then we'd run their SDR part, you know, meaning the appointment setting, the lead generation, the prospecting. Um, and I mean, in my senior year, I not only got to learn how to sell, but how to start building out these processes. Um, so I, in the six months as an intern, January to whatever it was, June before I got hired full time, I, I learned it, it wasn't just a getting a coffee internship. It was like, hey, this is real world experience, real life. So I, I learned a lot in those six months. And, um, and then obviously it turned into a full time job from there. And what a great plug for all the college students that are listening to make sure you do internships, right? To get real exposure and real opportunity. You never know what can come out of that. And so um, if you um, think about, you went from there and I believe you went on to another uh, startup sales bootcamp. Um, Can I talk about that transition and what your role there was? Yeah. So part of that sales development agency four letter, um, I did that for about a year and my boss at the time, he was doing sales training to sales teams. Um, and he basically came to me and I I literally remember the call. I was back in New Jersey after college and he's like, Hey, I'm going to kind of switch things up a bit. I want to, I want to help people get into the tech space because tech sales, you can make really good money. Um, and companies have a, a hard time finding qualified, you know, applicants. 
Um, I'm going to, you know, create this program where we can kill two birds with one stone, help people get into the space and learn about it and then help companies get really qualified individuals. And, um, you know, later that year, I think end of 2017, it officially launched pre-hired. Um, you know, it was Josh, the founder, and then me, um, was basically the first employee and four letter was still running at the time, but we were kind of, you know, transitioning slowly. And then in January, it was like, all right, we're going full in on, on pre-hired. Um, and when it actually started, it more started just as like an online course where people would, you know, basically they applied and I would be basically the main salesperson to, you know, interview them, see if they're a good fit for the program and then sell them a program that was a couple thousand dollars. Um, and then they would go through our program. And we did that for about a year before we switched models in June of 2019 to uh, an ISA model, which is an income share agreement. So we switched from basically just an online course, really anyone could purchase to, hey, we're going to get super serious about this. We only want the best of the best. And this is a way for us to charge, you know, make more money. Um, but now how it's going to be is, you know, you don't, you don't have to pay until you get hired. And that's what an income share agreement model is. So we made this big switch. We, you know, there's a lot more money put into the business. We, um, you know, we, uh, we, we added more, more teammates. Um, and, you know, now we are really selective and picky about who we let it in because you need to go to the program. You need to be successful for us to make money. We don't make money if you don't get hired, you don't get a job because a portion of your salary is paid back to us basically. So it's a, it's a win-win. So I started as the admissions advisor, basically the sales rep did that for about a year. When we kind of switched models, I put my hand up to build out more of the, the member success side, the training side, the mentorship side. Um, and that was, that was a really interesting experience because I was 23, 24 and I built out a team and I had like five or six people underneath me. And that was the first time managing and, you know, it was a struggle um, for sure. Uh, I, I definitely struggled. And then I finally, before I left, I moved into more of like a sales operations role. And so all that kind of leading up to your evolution to, to decide to kind of, I guess, break away and go start uh, Refuel, which is obviously what we're going to spend a lot of time in, in mm -hmm. the founding of your organization. But it was all that building up to that moment. Um, unfortunately, we ran out of time. I wanted to hear about the, Sorry about the that. decision <laughs> to make the leap. No, that's the way it goes, the decision to make the leap. And so when we come back next week, we'll pick up with that and really appreciate, uh, again, Andrew, you sharing your story with us today. It's Andrew Block, founder of Refuel here in Charleston. Thanks for your time. Thank you. And again, you've been listening to Beyond the Business, presented by the College of Charleston School of Business and Coastal Wealth Management here on 94.3. And a reminder to join us next Saturday morning for the second half of Andrew Block's story. And certainly until then, Low Country, we wish you a, a great week and also for all of us to thank and remember today, obviously, the anniversary of 9-11. Have a blessed week, Charleston. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC.
The College of Charleston School of Business is recognized among the top 30 colleges for studying business abroad by the Business Research Guide. With nine undergraduate majors, 10 minors, and six concentration areas, an honors program in business, and master's programs in business and accountancy, the College of Charleston School of Business has more than 3,000 students enrolled. Their students are ready to work, and they're ready to make an impact. For more info, visit sb.cfc.edu.